0: Early read, episode number seven, our Sunbelt betting preview with special guest Nick Allen at CFB Winning Edge on Twitter. Nick has a lot of exciting information that he's announced over the last few days, so we go through that early on, and then we get deep into the weeds on the Sunbelt Conference, as deep as you're going to see here, nearly uh, almost 2 hours of content on the Sunbelt conference we're talking win totals roster projections conference outrights and everything in between it's the early read episode number 7 our sunbelt betting preview What's up guys conference previews roll on and we're here for episode seven, the sunbelt conference preview. And to do that, we bring on Nick Allen at CFB winning edge. Nick runs one of the most, I would say intensive Patreons out there, really incredible stuff on his Patreon. Make sure you're checking out on his Twitter page. And he also has some exciting news to announce regarding where his content is going to be in the future, which I'll leave up to that. But Nick, Busy time here as we are in late July, week zero, about a month away. So we're starting to get there. You know, we're starting to ramp up the content and everything like that. So I'm pumped to have you on, especially on the heels of this big announcement. So, first, welcome to the show. And second, why don't you tell us a little about what you're going to be doing in the future with CFB Winning Edge?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, so, you mentioned the Patreon. We've been on Patreon for uh, five years I think um, but uh, just this week and then I think actually maybe uh, today as this is going to be published um, it'll be you know public everywhere that actually the uh, Patreon is going to be shut down at the end of this month and I uh, have uh, joined a group that I'm really excited about uh, uh they do a lot of fantasy-based uh, work, and of course the, the Campus to Canton format uh, with that, but um, they do a lot of other things as well, and I've had an opportunity to uh, get to know a lot of the folks there and and uh, uh, have been sort of weighing whether or not I wanted to stay independent, um, and there are certainly some benefits to that, but there are also uh, some things that are uh, really beneficial to, to joining a team, so uh, really excited about that, and, and uh, I believe that'll be Know, officially official and announced everywhere uh when when this is published but uh, if not it's not a well-kept secret anyway i did announce on patreon uh let let the folks know there but uh yeah just have uh, kind of slowly been building um uh, basically a, a massive amount of information in several Google sheets <laughs> over the last few years, um, a lot of roster information, um, try to keep track of a lot of uh, you know, talent uh, numbers from all the recruiting services, um, uh, You know, player information as far as uh, their experience on field, games played, games started, um, and then production as well. And try to combine those three things um, to put an individual player rating together for uh, 11,000, 12,000 players across 133 FPS teams. Uh, and am able to kind of fold those into uh, unit ratings and, and team ratings, uh, have a few different uh, projection models that are used to project every um, game involving an FPS team. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of one thing Kind of rolled into another. We have uh, returning production databases, which are uh, basically uh, just as big. And, and I'm trying to get the final touches on uh, individual uh, stat projections as well. So, are uh, beneficial to fantasy players, DFS, and and uh, uh, props, things like that. So, a uh, lot of lot of stuff to keep me busy, and and really excited uh, to have uh, a new place to uh, show it off and obviously this opportunity really appreciate you having me and, and it'll be nice as well to, to have a couple of extra hands
0: in the off season uh, to hopefully
1: make it a little quicker and more efficient, getting all the,
0: all that work done. A hundred percent. And campus can, they've been helping me with the season preview projects that I've been taking on. So I, you know, friends of the program campus can. So uh, I'm glad that a lot of smart people are going to be working together now. And I mean, you talk about your Patreon and, I, can't, I didn't join until recently and that was my own fault. And it's helped me with my preseason process. So I want to talk to you a little bit about these Google sheets that you just said, because I literally opened it for the first time and it crashed my Chrome. So I, I needed <laughs> a, you know, it is a, it is a lengthy Google sheet that, you know, there's a lot to sift through. And to some that might be a little overwhelming, but I do think, especially if you know what you're looking for, it really does help. It's a one-stop shop for production for unit rankings, for returning production, key stats you're looking for. So you really do, Nick, make it easy for someone who's interested in learning about the nuts and bolts of a college football team and comparing and contrasting and getting ready for the season or the weeks. You make it easy for people to sift through this information because it's a lot. I mean, I have my own sheets and I have my own information. Yours is just an, it's an even more expansive version of that. So I do think it's, invaluable and i recommend everyone checks out especially if you are getting more into whether it's college fantasy football sports betting prop betting whatever it is there's multiple applications to this and i before we get into the sunbelt preview what was like the the genesis of these google sheets or anything like i i'm not sure if you've gone on other podcasts and spoken about but i find it fascinating because you said for the past several years you've been like harvesting all this information what was (laughs) the initial goal of these sheets
1: uh, well basically I, I built the sheets for me to use uh, I've always had an interest in uh, betting I actually don't do a, a lot of it right now I, I live in Vermont and it's a little uh, tougher <laughs> here currently we do uh, do have it coming in, in uh, January but um, it, it's a long winding story so I'll try to, to keep it brief but um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college. Like a lot of folks, I graduated actually and didn't really even have a plan, uh, happened to luck my way into, um, there was a, you know, national powerhouse high school football team just down the road from, from my, uh, college that, that I got an internship with and, and, uh, found my way onto that coaching staff that had, half a dozen former D1 coaches on it. So um, I was able to uh, get a little coaching experience there and and, uh, felt like, that was a really valuable uh, piece of the puzzle. Um, and then after a few years there, I actually took a job in professional baseball, worked for a minor league uh, baseball team, uh, mostly on the business side, but but got to uh, learn some things, uh, you know, a, a different uh, sort of perspective uh, on sports and and kind of figuring things out. And felt that you know those two uh, bits of, of uh, uh, my history, and and as well as my uh, you know, growing up, of course, playing and, and watching, being a fan, being just uh, kind of a nerd about stats and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it all came together. And I had a, an opportunity uh, because basically of my wife's career. Um, she she took a job where we were going to be moved frequently um, and I had to be very flexible. So I couldn't get a, a just a regular nine to five job because uh, we might be asked to leave in a week or a month or, or something like that. So um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, did some writing, did some, um, you know, uh, freelancing, all, all sorts of stuff. And uh, we actually lived in San Juan, Puerto Rico uh, when Hurricane Maria hit. And we evacuated and uh, just had to leave, you know, decided we were going to leave and we're on a plane in 45 minutes. And so uh, didn't have any of my stuff. Uh, couldn't go back. We didn't go back for a couple of months. Um, And so I didn't have my computer, didn't have all my normal work stuff. And I realized that uh, the thing that was just taking up space in my mind uh, during that time and really what I wanted to focus on was college football. And I just sort of started fiddling with some things, uh, mapping out ideas. I'm a big pen and paper guy also. So just, you know, jotting things down in notebooks and, um when I got my computer back, just sort of started putting putting that uh, time to to use and, and building uh, the team profiles first, and then uh, it kind of spun out of control from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like especially Hurricane Maria, if I'm not – was that 20 – it was 2019? Uh, 2017. 2017, yeah. Yeah, and then it all led up, and then, you know, you have COVID in 2020, and that's when I really made the leap into, like, college football starting to generate numbers and t- trying to like turn like the sports betting application into this. Um, and yeah, I feel like a lot of people now breaking into the space have had similar type of paths where you're really, really passionate about one thing. And then you kind of just decide like, yeah, let's kind of lean into it and go for it. And now we're both here talking about college football. So let's spin it to talking about the 2023 season. Cause this is our Sun Belt football preview becoming arguably the best group of five conference, some would say. I mean, you look at what they did last year. um, You have App State beats Texas A&M, Marshall beats Notre Dame. I mean, these are are powerhouse teams, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Last year, Troy ended up winning the Sunbelt Conference. They enter as the favorite, and the way I have this, Nick, is going in conference odds order. So we're going to go from the top to the bottom. So we are going to start with Troy. Like I said, defending champions mainly because of one of the best defenses in the entire country. This is a team that was top 10 in yards per play, 11 in points per drive allowed, fifth most sacks. But they do lose a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Not everybody, but they do lose a lot, including their defensive coordinator, Sheil Wood. He left for Tulane. They end up hiring Louisville linebacker, coach, and Army co-defensive coordinator, Greg Gasparato. The offense does return. Gunner Watson, Vidal back at running back, but the offense wasn't very good. 85th in success rate. So this is a defense that or a team that's going to lean on their defense yet again, Nick, Troy, rightful favorite. They do host South Alabama and we'll get into their schedule after kind of a team breakdown. But are they the rightful favorite or does the defensive returning production give you a little bit of pause? Only 44% returning production per ESPN.
1: Uh well, and and uh... My numbers, I have uh, slightly different than ESPN in returning production. I am uh, 57.8% overall, okay. 85th uh, in my number. So just probably a little different, you know, calculate uh, different weights on different things. But uh, rightful favorite, yeah, I think so. They're they're the number one team in uh, my main power rating. I call it Team Street Power Rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, you know, pretty talented. Yeah, the, the defense obviously um last year my my roster numbers were pretty insane for Troy. Um they were like top 15 in uh defensive roster strength and a lot of that is you know building that production uh over over time with a, a really experienced unit. But uh they didn't really fall very far. They're 22nd right now uh in my numbers, the the roster numbers. Um guys like TJ Jackson who had a huge year, uh Richard Jefferson, you know, Reddy Stewart, they've got all conference caliber players. Uh, all over the field, all three levels defensively, uh, filled a couple of holes in the secondary with uh, incoming transfers that uh, look like immediate starters. Um, And, you know, I I do think that uh, certainly there's some questions. I mean, they're 88th in in defensive returning production on my numbers. Um, But the talent, I think, is is still there. And and there's enough to uh, make you think that there's really not going to be a significant drop off. So I think that Troy is probably going to be able to play at you know, a top 30 level defensively, maybe 35. Um, and that would be just a, a small step back. They were 21st and a number that I like to use, I call uh, team performance. Uh, defensively, they were 21st uh, last year, six against the past 25th against the run. And, and I don't really see them taking a, a significant step back there. Um, offensively, as you mentioned, yeah, they're, uh, uh, I, I think there are some obvious key pieces returning that they'll be able to build around. They should uh, get a little bit more out of their receiving core potentially uh, because a couple of guys who were banged up and missed some uh, significant time last year back and, and Jabre Barber and Marcus Rogers. Um, so I, I think it's a decent unit and I really do like Vidal. I play a lot of college fantasy football uh, that, uh, group that community was really uh, the first to embrace the, the work I did. So um, Vidal is is somebody that you know I've been drafting a lot, really excited about. I uh, think he can carry a pretty heavy workload, but then they added Asa Martin, who's you know a yep. Power Five transfer. Uh, originally has been uh, around a bit, but a, a quality player and and can help uh, there. But yeah, I think that this Troy team, there are um, really I, I think few questions as, as far as, um, you know, the the projected depth chart on both sides of the ball looks, looks pretty good. Yeah. There's certainly some room for improvement on the offensive side, but uh, they did a pretty good job of, of figuring it out last year. John Summerall, a first time, first year head coach, uh, can't have a, a much better debut. And and I think um, proved that, that, uh, you know, he and his coaching staff are going to do a pretty good job of um, leaning on what, you know, the strength of their team, which is that defense and, and uh, should be able to, uh use their their running attack Vidal, and and uh lean on that defense and and I think uh put themselves in a position to to win close games like they did last year.
0: Yeah I, I like at least the offensive philosophy. I mean you have Vidal who's in a thousand yard rusher at 10 touchdowns. Watson I don't think is very good especially I would probably rate him as like an average some belt quarterback, but at least they chucked the ball down the field because they trust their defense they you know if the offense is going to sputter in the passing game especially they know that their defense is going to keep them in games and make these games into grinds look at that south alabama game last year i think the final score was like 17 14 troy something like that in the in the low teens low 20s so you mentioned the defense they bring back tj jackson 14 tackles for loss last year he's going to be a focal point of the line and the schedule gives them a real inside track i think to the conference title game Out of conference, you do play at Kansas State. That's not going to be fun, but they're going to be favored in every game, I'd say, in conference play. Yeah, I mean, just look at the schedule. Their toughest games are at home. They host James Madison. They host South Alabama, host Louisiana even. So I I don't love the number just because how much better can the team be? Three to one to win the conference, win total eight and a half, about minus 110 each way. So – I'm not backing the same preseason, but I don't necessarily disagree that they shouldn't be the favorite, especially with the schedule.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that South Alabama game was 10 to six last
0: year. 10 to six. Okay. I knew it was, (laughs) I knew it was a low scoring game. there's so many games. I can't remember every single score, but as someone who had South Alabama last year, someone who had South Alabama to win the conference last year, that game was, was not fun considering how many times South Alabama sputtered at like midfield and just ended up hunting back to Troy. It was not fun.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have Troy favored in 11 regular season games, every Sunbelt uh, game all by a field goal or more. Uh, but, you know, there are quite a few games that, that could go either way. So I think they're, um, you know, uh, definitely the, the team to beat. Um, but my current projected win total is 8.42. So uh, don't don't see a significant edge uh, there. and And do think that specifically, south alabama um it's going to have an opportunity to uh be a major factor
0: it's a good segue because guess who's the second choice to win the sunbelt south alabama really right but th- this is neck and neck here with troy they're th- about plus 330 plus 350 in the market to win the Sun Belt. win total of eight shaded towards the over so you have a little bit more push insurance there to me if i were to pick between troy and south alabama i do lean towards south alabama just from an upside perspective i think i just like both sides of the ball, maybe slightly more. Maybe it's that this team didn't just win the conference. Maybe I'd look a little bit different, but the offense was better than Troy's, in my opinion. Averaged 5.84 yards per play, 56 in the country. Solid offensive line, especially for some belt standards against some of these defenses. Bring back Carter Bradley at quarterback, bring back an 1,000 yard rusher and LaDamian Webb at running back. Four offensive linemen are back. And they also have two wide receivers, and Volson and Lacey, we each had 60 plus catches and 800 yards. So, to me, this offense probably going to be better given what's coming back with some continuity for Womack. Um, about three-quarters returning production there on offense. Defense is also rock solid, maybe not as good as Troy, so that's where these things even out. But this team was top 20 in success rate. Bring back a ton of key contributors, namely Trey Kisser, who had 11 tackles for loss. Um, I I personally am leaning towards taking South Alabama to win the conference. My issue is, of course – that game at being at Troy, that really is probably keeping me off from a, before the season starts taking that game, team, maybe it's wait and see and see how it goes. But to me, if I were to pick a champion, I would probably lean with South Alabama. Just, I like the upside on the team a little bit more. Nick, are we disagreeing here or you agree that you maybe like the, the second best team less you're getting over the hump in 2023?
1: Yeah. I, I think personally, I agree. Um, you know, South Alabama's uh, second in overall returning production, my numbers, uh, top 10, both offense and defense third on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and their defense, uh, you know, I mentioned team performance. They were only one spot behind Troy last year, mm. uh, in overall defensive team performance. And so, um, I think that, uh, they have an opportunity to be just as good, maybe better. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, um, you know, that team performance numbers, a lot of efficiency numbers, uh, uh, you know, yards per play allowed, points per drive, success rate, as you mentioned, EPA per play—that that sort of stuff goes into there. And and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're you know a top fifteen level defense uh, next season. And and I agree that that the offense certainly, uh, which did grade out about twenty spots better than Troy uh, last mm. year, uh, has higher upside as well. I mean, Webb. Cancels out Vidal, basically. Um, Carter, I would agree, is, is better as more upside than Watson. Uh, the receiving core, as you mentioned, certainly more proven. They also added uh, Javon Ivory, who uh, has had some moments in the past at Memphis. So it's a pretty good trio uh, there. Uh, the offensive line is more experienced. So, yeah, I think if you just look position by position, um, there's a lot of, of uh, you know ticks that, that you would put in the South Alabama column. Um, that game itself, uh, you know, the, the schedule doesn't necessarily uh, work in our favor if, if we uh, prefer yeah. South Alabama, but um, it's not like it's uh, you know a terrible travel situation or, or anything like that. So, um, I, I think that there's you know, I, I feel pretty good about uh, South Alabama as a whole. Um, my projected win total is 8.13, very, very similar. Um, so again, I, you know, my, my way of calculating things doesn't necessarily see a, a, a big edge there, but, um, personally, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that, um, South Alabama has the higher upside. I, I like that.
0: Yeah. I, you just look at last year's team, how it greeted out from an EPA per player perspective, which this is the entire country. This isn't just group of five, but 41st in EPA per play 29th on 41st on offense, 29th on defense. This was a, a damn good team. I mean, uh, you know, again, I was talking at the top, the group of five, some belt is really starting to separate itself. In my opinion, as just top to bottom, it is a grueling conference. And you mentioned the schedule once why I'm probably not going to have any preseason futures. I know we're trying to give out bets and we're trying to talk through, it, but I just don't know if there's anything there. Cause the non-conference is not very fun at Tulane and at Oklahoma state. They do host Southeast Louisiana and central Michigan. So those are two very likely wins, but to, I mean the AAC defending champions and then at Oklahoma State neither of those are fun they're going to be underdogs in that game and then the conference schedule isn't very easy either you go to James Madison you go to Troy that's not fun and then all uh, at home they host Marshall they host Louisiana two teams I think South Alabama is much better than but it's not easy these aren't walk in the parks and you know Mobile is uh I wouldn't say it's, you know, an easy place to play, but it's also not the hardest place to play. This isn't, you know, talking about going into the big house or anything like that. So home field in the Sun Belt isn't as strong as it is in some of the other conferences. So just from a preseason perspective, it's a team I want to play on in the right situation because I like the upside of this team, but I also think the market kind of knows that. Uh, Nick, anything else on the South Alabama schedule?
1: Uh, I mean, the, the, with the Sun Belt, you get a couple of the the funky midweek games uh, that Troy game, on a Thursday night, uh, certainly will will uh, be circled. But the Tuesday night game against Southern Miss, which there's a little bit of a rivalry ga- uh, there, uh, that game is in Mobile and and do have a few extra days to prepare. But that's you know sometimes we see some some funky things happen in, in those situations. So uh, even though that game's at home, maybe one that that I I'm not quite as confident uh, at first thought as my double digit you know South Alabama uh being the favorite there but um I I I do like to look for those sort of things as well just to to kind of file away that that sometimes some funky things can happen on a Tuesday night
0: it's worth noting the Troy game in week 10 Troy's also on a short week that week I believe is it a Thursday night game Troy also coming off um the short week so just something I guess neither team but neither team necessarily benefits but both teams could also be at their worst. I will say about the Tulane game, that's one I have circled for week 1, not that I bet it yet but I think South Alabama is going to give Tulane a scare in that game. Line sitting at over a touchdown as of this recording. I know defending champion Tulane they won the Con- uh bowl against USC but don't don't sleep on South Alabama. This is we just talked very highly of this team that brings a ton back. So I think that they might come out guns blazing in New Orleans in week one against Tulane. If we're talking about easy schedules, though, I think we have to talk about Coastal Carolina. It's a team that I'm not necessarily high on, and we'll get into it, but win total at 7.5 mainly because of their schedule, plus 550 to win the Sun Belt. Jamie Chadwell's out, but Grayson McCall is still there after testing the transfer portal waters. They also bring in Tim Beck, former North Carolina State head uh, offense coordinator, There's a lot back on offense, though. Top three receivers, including Pickney, who had nearly 1,000 yards. Offensive lineman, F4 seniors, and and another with starting experience. And I I like the hire of Travis Trickett from USF. That is an offense that – it wasn't a good team, but they played fast. They played explosive. And I think that if they're going to move away from Chadwell's unique offense and they're going to really open this up and play fast and explosive – I, I like the thesis going into the year with someone as talented as Grayson McCall. Maybe his efficiency takes a step back, but maybe opens it up a little bit. It's the defense that really struggled last year, and it probably won't be that much better. Craig Navarre is in as the defensive coordinator, and this was a defense that was terrible last year. Uh, I have bottom 10 in the country in yards per play, outside top 100 in explosive, both rush and pass defense, and they lose probably their best pass rusher in Josiah Stewart who transferred to Michigan, so that's That's someone who's really leveling up there. So this is a Coast Guard line team, maybe a little uneven, and we'll get into the schedule after. But, Nick, how do you assess this roster going into 2023? Do you think that Back Trickett, McCall, could still keep this offense at elite levels for Sunbelt standards?
1: Uh, Well, I I personally really – like Grayson McCall and, and think if you could pick uh-huh. one guy to build an offense around uh, in this league, <laughs> he's, he's a pretty good yeah. one. Uh, so that that is a starting point is is uh, a big one. You mentioned Pinkney. I like him a lot. Uh, Jared Brown showed a lot of big playability. Uh, they used him in a lot of fun and funky ways last year, which which was really fun to see. I just I personally don't have a great read on what this offense is is going to look like when you get a first time first year head coach they were a long time play caller you know their offense Beck's offense wasn't the most exciting mm-hmm. I mean certainly they were you know fine but uh, Coastal Carolina I mean they were America's team for a couple of years and part of it was oh, that yeah. uh, that offense that, that was pretty unique and and uh, Grayson McCall operated uh, flawlessly at times uh kind of fell apart obviously at the end of last year and mccall's injury you know his health was was part of that but um i'm i'm not sure is this going to be beck's offense is it going to be uh trickett's offense how are they going to you know mesh together and and uh what what does it look like for a guy who's in that role for the first time um so i'm i'm uh i'm i'm unsure but i definitely do think that that uh, the pieces are there and, and McCall specifically. Uh, the, the roster numbers look pretty good uh, with that experience, with that production that they've uh, picked up. I mean, Grace McCall himself is, uh, you know, top three quarterback in, in my individual uh, player rating. Numbers just based on uh, the amount he's played and, and the the production that he's been able to to rack up, um, and he's got some weapons to work with. So uh, I think they're going to be fine. But but I definitely agree with your assessment that that the defense is the biggest question because they rank 108th in my roster strength numbers on that side of the ball. Um, on. The field, it was a unit that ranked 107th in team performance last year, couldn't stop anybody through the air, and as you mentioned, lost their best pass rusher. So um, I have some some major concerns about that. Uh, I, I think in a weird way, if the offense um, kind of uh, isn't as successful creating the big play, maybe that helps the defense a little bit if, if they're able to... Uh, keep the defense off the field somewhat because uh, you know they had a way of, of Jared brown or, or Pinckney or, or whatever uh, just breaking off a 50yard uh, mm-hmm. touchdown that that is great but then if your' you know defense is getting gassed because they can't stop anybody um, that's not necessarily uh, helping matters too much on on that end so um, I don't have a great feel for what the, the offense is, is going to look like. And so that gives me some, uh, trepidation. I kind of want to, to wait and see. Um, but the schedule, as you mentioned, uh, you know, sets up pretty well, 109th in my strength of schedule numbers have, uh, 7.26 projected wins, uh, in my, my primary numbers and, and they're favored a lot more often, uh, than they're not. So, um, if the offense comes together uh, and we don't see a a significant drop off on on that side of the ball, then I definitely think they're going to be, you know, continue to be a tough team to beat. And um, I I think a fairly worthy uh, East division favorite.
0: Yeah. I I think my win total numbers, I have 7.9. I haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet because like you said, there's a lot of questions here. I, I like, the people there, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily all going to gel together. Like I think Trickett could make an exciting offense and the weapons are there. But again, the defense losing Stewart really hurts because really the only thing the defense could hold its hat on was that could get in the backfield. This was a team that was generating sacks at a high level 34 last year, 21st in the entire country. And if they weren't getting the backfield, they were getting gashed and letting up touchdowns. So there's some questions here, but again, the schedule really gives them an opportunity to get back to the Sun Belt championship game. They avoid Troy and South Alabama in the cross-divisional matchups, and then they get their toughest games at home. They get James Madison, and they get Marshall at home. They go to Appalachian State, but they get a bye before. They go to Georgia Southern, which I think could be – we'll talk about them in a little bit, but I think that could be an interesting matchup there. But it's this is a, as easy of a schedule, so I'm not betting on them because I think there's maybe some other teams in the division that could – play spoiler here and maybe bust this Sun Belt open. But I I do, th- I, I see why they're the third choice here, just because it's mainly schedule driven. And also McCall gives them such an anchor of their rating. Yeah. You know how you can't draw even though you're losing Chadwell, you're not going to be able to drop this team so far, so far, because like you said, you have Grayson McCall, your third best quarterback in your numbers based on experience and talent and everything else. So I agree. Coastal, the third choice, a team that can't qualify for the Sun Belt championship yet, I believe, last I saw. I don't know if that's official yet, but James Madison, as of right now, as of this recording, is not eligible for the Sunbelt Championship. So no odds there because of their jump from FCS last year. Win total of eight, though, and that's based because this was one of the most surprising teams last year, jumping from the FCS to the FBS ranks and going absolutely buck wild, posting one of the best defensive seasons in the entire country. And this was their first year at the D1 level. So incredibly impressive From the Dukes last year, the offense, I think, is probably going to take or at least has questions entering the year. I think it's probably going to take a step back just as the offense tries to figure itself out. They do bring back the entire offensive line, so that's a start, but it's going to be McLeod comes from um, couldn't stick at USF, couldn't stick at Arizona, so he's now on his third team. We'll see how it goes for him. He's a speedster. The defense, though, was absolutely nails, and they bring a ton back. On the defense side of the ball, I have. They allowed less than 1.5 points per drive, one of the best marks in the entire country. Top 10 in sacks and number one in line yards. You could not run on this defense. Uh, Less than 2.5 yards per carry. This JMU team was absolutely ridiculous. Nick, was this a first-year fluke, or (laughs) is this team really about to jump from the FCS to the FBS ranks and really turn this entire conference on its head?
1: So uh, James Madison is is a tough team for me in the, in the way I calculate things. So I, I don't do a great job of, of uh, I guess, advertising my successes that well, but I have had a, a really good streak as far as win totals the last couple of years, right around 63% in all uh, teams the, the last two years. Um, and last year I had a, kind of a, an incredible start was 33 and three on the the first uh, thirty-six that that were decided, so kind of the ones where there was an obvious, you know, it so seemed like were, we, we so had a pretty good. When you were read.
0: dead, when you were dead right, you were you you were fucking right. <laughs> it was Yeah, it was
1: it was pretty apparent early in in the year last year on, on a certain. I should have done teams. the
0: pod last year and had. you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know we'll
1: we'll see how the uh, if, if there's some regression uh, here, we'll, but one of those three was James Madison. Because uh, the way I calculate uh, my primary team rating, the, the very first ingredient is, uh, you know, that, that projected uh, mm-hmm. talent number coming out of high school. Um, and James Madison as a, you know, FCS uh, program for the last however many years, um, there aren't a whole lot of rated players and and so i just kind of have to plug in you know generic ratings they do get a little bit of boost sometimes when they'll there'll be power five or or you know fbs transfers that were coming in but james madison in my roster strength numbers was at or toward the the very end uh of the spectrum in the uh you know military academy level Mm -hmm. um and because of that i was pretty low on on james madison and and uh it it was apparent very quickly that, that they were uh, a team that was much better um, than I was able to, to calculate, uh, you know, how well they, they could actually perform on the field. Um, and, and to be quite honest, you know, my numbers haven't quite caught up just yet because uh, there's been a pretty significant amount of turnover on the offensive side of the ball. They're 74th in my uh, offensive returning production numbers um last year i mean you mentioned you know jordan mcleod being a journeyman uh that hasn't had a a ton of success at at quarterback tots teal was kind of the same last year and then he just uh blossomed into a legitimately very good uh quarterback uh you know just put up a, a, a ton of great numbers um so the roster strength numbers are kind of they're they're a little bit better, but you know 118th overall, triple digits in both offense and defense, and that elite defense that ranked eighth in team performance in in my numbers last year is 124th in roster strength. And so uh, I try to be consistent in, in what I do, and and so I haven't made any you know manual tweaks to to James Madison, but I do think they're a better team uh, than what my numbers are are currently able to. Uh, account for so you know of all the the Sun Belt teams that we'll discuss, uh, there's the biggest difference between their projected win total and my numbers and and uh, what the odds makers have. Uh, I have them about you know one and a half wins under, uh, and and that doesn't seem right to me. So there are a few teams I, sh- I struggle with military academy teams uh, in part because of the the roster numbers and a team like James Madison that, that's making the jump. Um, you know, it, it just takes a little while to, to catch up. And so um, I personally think that that uh, they are going to be a, a major factor, you know, won't be able to, to play for the conference title, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it sounds like, but um, could end up, you know, putting together another really impressive season uh that that my particular way of, of calculating their their team strength probably um, isn't quite right they're probably a good bit better than than what i'm able to show
0: I, I think it's an excellent point first of all the the 30 and three start to the win totals is pretty ridiculous but <laughs> it was a charge start but <laughs> i i as someone you know who generates preseason numbers as well it, it, I had the same issue and I also bet James Madison under because I my numbers said, you know, I project, what was it? It opened like six and a half, and I projected like 4.8. And I was like, oh, like this team is going to be able to make the jump. And I kind of just blindly bet the under. And it's something with these win totals and trying to project teams. You need to know your blind spots. You need to know, like you said, service academies, their talent scores are going to catch up. And for me, you know, I weighed a lot of returning production, roster scores, like you said. So again, James Madison, I'm looking at a number significantly lower than what they're probably going to be because my numbers like you said it just isn't necessarily catching up from the the guts of like my holdover numbers but then as you start to get inputs from the season you start to weigh those a little bit more then you start to see the team quickly improve if they are worthy of improving same as like an air force team like i i have a win total on them at like 6.8 but i already know i need to basically manually do my rating on air force and like separate because I know that they're much better than what my spreadsheet is going to punch out because it can't capture the system and the uniqueness of it. James Madison doesn't run a triple option, but it is very, you know, they're, they're a different case right now. And you're going to see that also with Jacksonville state and Sam Houston state as well, who I discussed on the conference USA preview talking about the schedule for James Madison. It's not easy. They start with Bucknell. They're probably going to destroy them. They go to Virginia team. They are going to be in a toss up with, but it's an ACC team that is going through a rebuild, but the talented is catching up there. Then they go right to Troy in week three. And then they take a cross country trip to play at Utah state, which again, that's a team they're probably better than on a neutral field, but that's a tricky road trip after a tough conference game. And then they come back home and play South Alabama. So I can see a slow start for the Dukes, given the schedule and how the sequencing comes. And Maybe they get hot at the end of the season. But again, this schedule isn't super easy. They play Georgia Southern out of the bye, followed by Marshall. They also play App State at home, and then they close at Coast of Carolina. So from a win total perspective, I'm not that interested. Again, this would be a team I'd honestly lean under, but I'm a little scared off from last year, so I'm not touching anything JMU-related. But, Nick, any other opinion about the schedule? I mean, this opening stretch is really tricky to navigate.
1: Yeah, it definitely is, and, and it didn't even – jump out to me at first but it, it absolutely should have that three straight you know away from home that virginia road trip not not far but that utah trip cross country yeah is the third in three weeks and getting both troy and south alabama in september uh that's that's less than ideal if you're james madison so they're trying to figure out You know, a quarterback situation again, trying to uh, figure out some other playmakers, you know, have to to replace uh, one of the best group of five receivers in the country from from last year's team. Um, Not really the the ideal first month of the season when you're trying to answer those types of questions.
0: All right, great. And let's move on to Marshall here. Plus 650 to win the Sun Belt, win total of seven about minus 120 to the over, minus 110 to the over, depending on where you look. Make sure to line shop. This is a team that, again, we're talking about these nuts defenses. Marshall, right in that conversation last year, a team that battled some quarterback turnover, battled some injuries at running back, and it didn't really matter. I mean, Cam Fancher, as a freshman, led them to a 6-1 and record and a bowl victory. Offense played fast, wasn't super efficient, but the defense really was the buoy of this team. Allowed more than 28 points just once, surprisingly to Bowling Green based on their schedule. But And this team shut down James Madison to 12 points. Let up only 24 to Coastal, even in a loss. App State only got 21 off on them. Georgia Southern 13. So this is a defense that was elite last year. They bring back their best pass rusher in Owen Porter, who had 15 tackles for loss, as well as linebacker Eli Neal. But one of the lowest returning productions on the defensive side of the ball. So, Nick, can Marshall find some answers on offense to maybe stem the tides of losing so much on defense. Fancher again, maybe it's, he gets a full off season. Now he was only a freshman last year. Kept it going. Rashid Ali is going to be back. He had 25 touchdowns in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, can the offense take a step forward in this year and get Marshall back into the Sunbelt convert conference title conversation?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think they're going to continue to lean on, the running game and and it wasn't the most efficient thing in the world last year, but, uh, was good enough. And with Ali being out, um, they were obviously shorthanded, but him back and, and fully healthy, looked good at the end of the year. Um, I think that's huge. Cam Fancher getting, a year of experience uh, as a freshman. Um, I think that it's, it's reasonable to expect that he'll be able to, to take a little bit of a step forward. Um, they've done some work in the receiving core to, you know, add a couple of transfers in uh, with a group that's relatively experienced as well. And Charles Montgomery and, and uh, mm-hmm. Tlaib Keaton, uh, Jaden Harrison. Um, so I, I think so. I, I think that this team probably is, um, you know, certainly was more talented uh, than the numbers that they put up offensively last year. Uh, And and this year, uh, I, I think it's, it's definitely reasonable to expect a a little bit of a step forward. Um, But, you know, (laughs) they, they had some success uh, uh, last year, just kind of leaning on that rushing attack and and letting that elite defense rank fourth in my defensive team uh, performance numbers uh, last season um just go out and and win them you know quite a few uh games so uh if it's not broke you know maybe maybe they don't try to fix it uh with quarterback Micah Abraham as well who is an uh, all-conference caliber player uh sprinkled in quite a few uh transfers that are likely to uh you know factor in as as two deep contributors um looks like eight guys in my projected uh, two deep plus three uh, who are likely to, to start in the back seven. So uh, it is a new look group, uh, but with two of their or really three of their very best players coming back to, to sort of anchor that uh, that unit. I'm not going to say that they're going to be a top five defense again. Um, maybe they're you know, top 25 or, or, or you know, uh, maybe even top 30, 35 is, is, uh, more likely. But if we, if we see a, a, a top, you know, 80 caliber offense and, and another big year from Rasheen Ali, uh, you factor that in with a, uh, you know, a little bit of a step back on, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that Marshall is capable of beating any other team in the Sunbelt, Belt. um, they are, uh, you know, seven point three uh, projected wins in, in my numbers. Um, a lot of games that could go either way. I mean, looks like three within a, a point and a half mm-hmm. in my current projections, and a couple of others within a field goal. So, um, in those scenarios, you have a team that's used to playing some close, low-scoring games. You know, it might give them a little bit of the the benefit of the doubt to find a way to win, um, especially since that was their recipe for success last year.
0: Yeah, and like you said, that schedule. I I'm also right at 7 point, 7.38 wins for Marshall, and like you said, it's it's a lot of toss ups, especially coming on the road. I non conference play. They play Albany, Albany at East Carolina, and then they have a week three bye. They play they play ten games to close the season. Want to double check my uh, counting there? Ten straight games to close the season, which. Again, those are going to be some body blows for a team that is bringing in a lot of new players, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, road games, they play at NC State in week six, which is a little strange. I mean, they also play at Coastal Carolina the week after playing James Madison, play at Appalachian State the following week. They host Georgia Southern, and it's at South Alabama. It's a grueling schedule for this team. Again, no real opinion here, but, yeah, this schedule is probably as daunting as you're going to see for the top of the Sun Belt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the that the the way that that uh, three out of four road games late October, early November, at the tail end of a ten week stretch where you're playing every week, um, that that is probably going to take its toll. And and uh, with a team that's got a lot of uh, new pieces, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, as as you mentioned, uh, being able to stay healthy is is going to be key. And that's not. You know that schedule on paper looks like a, a scenario where um, injuries have the potential to pile mm-hmm. up, so that's that's definitely a concern.
0: Yeah, uh, no no bets though, but we'll recap that all at the end. Appalachian State's the next team we're going to talk about. Plus eight fifty to win the conference. Win total of six and a half, shaded towards the over. This was a team that had a wild, frenetic start to the season last year, and in my opinion, the body blows are playing. North Carolina, Texas A&M, and, you know, that crazy Troy game kind of took its toll by the end of the season. The offense kind of teetered off as the season wore on. This was an offense, though, that did grade out borderline elite uh, at the national level. Uh, that was with Chase Bryce. There is less – about 50% returning production this year and a new offensive coordinator for redshirt freshman Ryan Berger, who's looking to be the starter. Three are back on the offensive line, and the team hopes that uh, Noel at running back – Um, averaging nearly seven yards per carry. He could be something that could spark this offense that might need it. Um, defense elite against the run, um, top 13 yards per carry new defensive coordinator. Scott Sloan comes from Georgia Southern had some ties from app state. I'd say their biggest game though, looking at the depth chart, probably Brendan Harrington. He was hurt all last year, but had 11 tackles for loss in 2021 defense was about 58th in success rate. Uh, I think that there's a lot of questions for this team. I think, again, Appalachian State has been a fixture at the top of the Sun Belt, so I'm not necessarily going to go against them. But I think that this team, you could maybe see with a tricky schedule, this team maybe take a step back after winning just six games in 2022. Again, they're expecting the same. But that was an offense that was elite. They're replacing both coordinators and the starting quarterback. Could be a tricky year for the Mountaineers. Nick, how do you see it?
1: yeah I, I agree i uh, early in the the off season when i'm just starting to to uh input all the the player information make updates and, and all that sort of stuff i saw a lot of early signs with appalachia state that i was just like this this team feels like it's going to be uncomfortably low uh in, in my power ratings just much lower than uh i am used to and and feels right for a team that's been consistently you know at or near the the top of the conference until a obvious step back last season, but um, it, it actually, when, when everything came together and, and had all the teams done, I was a little bit surprised at how high I am. I, I do have them uh, at right around seven wins. Um, and even though the returning production numbers are not good, triple digits across the board, 122nd overall in my numbers, you know, defensively 121st, um, the quarterback position to me is a major, major, uh, area of concern you know Ryan Berger looks like he's, he's likely to be uh, the starter and his individual play rating is is uh, about as low and generic as it gets for uh, a quarterback the way I calculate it. so you know sometimes a, a guy like that, Will definitely surprise me, and I know some of my colleagues at Campus to Canton are actually really excited about Ryan Berger. Uh, Ethan Sowers actually just wrote about him, uh, you know, a week or so ago. Uh, Chris Moxley as well is is a fan, but um, I, yeah, it it, you know the roster numbers as a whole don't look very good. The experience numbers don't look very good. Um, This is you know last year's performance on the field. it, It it felt. Pretty apparent to me that this team was, you know, moving in, in in the opposite direction. You know, has has fallen a little bit. Didn't didn't look like a championship contender. And I, on paper, don't really see any evidence to suggest uh, that they're going to be able to take a major step forward. Um, new players and, and turnover obviously can can uh, be a positive thing as well. And maybe Berger is, you know, nobody knew who Grayson McCall was when he was a retro freshman and, and won the job. Maybe Ryan Berger's uh, the, the next best thing. But um, right now, you know, the the, the uh, confidence that, that my numbers have in part, I think this is a little bit inflated with, mm-hmm. I do incorporate, uh, you know, a, a weighted uh, three year window uh, mm-hmm. into the mix. And, and so there is still a little bit of, uh, that, that, that I think is propping them up just a bit. Um, but kind of like I was more positive than my projections on South Alabama. I kind of feel the opposite with Appalachian state where uh, things just don't quite seem to, to add up. And even though, you know, my numbers are, are a little bit more positive, it seems like than, than the odds makers me personally. Uh, I don't, I don't quite buy it. I, I, I think that, that this team is going to struggle uh to make it back to 500.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, like I said, the floor might be a little lower than it has been in the past for Appalachian City teams because, again, the schedule, I'd call it tricky, especially including a road trip to Wyoming in week four. I just think that game is kind of a coin tossy game that could kind of decide your win total. Um, But I'm not really interested in backing this team in either direction just because, I'm not sure what I'm going to get. Like you said, there's so many variables in play. Conference schedule, though, they do host Coastal. They do host Marshall. They host Georgia Southern, but they go to James Madison. And then those games that you need to get, you know, again, I think Louisiana, Monroe, Old Dominion, Georgia State, those are bottom bottom half teams, but they're on the road. Are you going to be able to go on the road and get a win with a redshirt freshman, three-star quarterback, and Ryan Burger? So no opinion for me. I'm glad we see the same way. App State might be a team I'm quick to – pivot on you know game to game rather than in the win total a team that i think also has some questions but one of the easier schedules in the sunbelt it's louisiana 10 to 1 to win the Sun Belt, seven and a half is the win total shaded towards the under took a step back last year but due to some heartbreakers they lost three uh three regular season games by one score they bring back both quarterbacks that were used last year due to injury in fields and woolridge uh they lose their starting running back, but they bring back Williams and Washington. Washington has some serious uh, burner speed; he averaged five and a half yards per carry. Passing game wasn't potent, but this offense overall was kind of just nothing to call home about, especially with uh, injuries that quarterback. Into itself, any favors? Ninety fourth and success rate. They couldn't buy a touchdown when they got in close. Fifty six percent red zone touchdown percentage. The defense has a lot of turnover. Was much better than the offense, 43rd in the country in yards per play and top 15 success rate, but one of the lowest in the country, like I said, in returning production. They lose their top three Havoc drivers on the defensive line. Is Louisiana going to benefit from the easy schedule, Nick, or is this really Billy Napier's touch is really going to be gone from this team moving forward in 2023?
1: Uh, if the schedule weren't as, uh, the schedule, the schedule's a joke. We can, we can call it it a schedule's a joke. (laughs) Yeah. They're 119th in my, uh, strength of schedule numbers. Uh, If it weren't for that, then I would, I would be, uh, even more pessimistic uh, about Louisiana as it stands. Uh, I, I don't see a a ton of evidence to suggest that, uh, they're going to be able to, to make a, Uh, You know, step forward or or be closer to uh, what they were under Napier. Um, The talent numbers look look quite honestly bad. I mean, they're 129th in overall roster strength, 130th on the defensive side of the ball. They're 130th in defensive returning production in my numbers. Um, That to me is not a you know (laughs) just not a not a good combination. Uh, I wasn't overly impressed. I know you know Ben Wooldridge had some moments last year, but didn't, didn't necessarily strike me as, as the type of guy that was going to be able to uh, really elevate the level of an offense. Uh, he is back and it sounds like fully healthy and, and going to be uh, the, the week one starter, even though Chandler Fields got the bulk of that, uh, or at least that the number starts last year looking, you know, I know this isn't what we're talking about today, but looking in the future, I actually kind of like uh, Zion Chris, who took all the snaps in the spring, but um yeah, I just uh, the, the the way things look on paper and the, the step back that that um, they had last year, statistically speaking, and then you know on on tape or, or you know watching uh, on, on screen, they just don't. They didn't look like you know the, the uh, perennial uh, Sun Belt title contenders, uh, and I'm not personally seeing any any evidence in the way that I calculate things and I'm certainly not perfect. Might miss uh, an underrated player who just uh, takes this game to the next level and, and maybe can carry a team a little bit. Uh, but right now, based on, on the way I'm able to, to put things together, uh, not really seeing any evidence to suggest that that this is uh, a team that's that's, going to get back to a bowl game quite honestly um with that week schedule i've got you know 5.6 wins which does round up to six but but i don't necessarily um trust that that they're going to be able to get it done to get there
0: yeah i this this schedule just I, i mean again win total set at seven and a half so you gotta get to eight wins to get over plus money to that over but you play northwestern state at old dominion At UAB, who might be in for a rough year. Buffalo comes at home. At Minnesota, that will be a loss. Texas State, you're a big favorite. By Georgia State, you're going to be a considerable favorite. At South Alabama, you're probably going to lose that one. Play at Arkansas State. You host Southern Miss. Those are two games they will be favored in. At Troy, you're an underdog. And ULM, you're a huge favorite. So you're looking at guaranteed three underdog spots. Yeah. If you take care of business, you're you're going to go over this win total. I just don't trust this team to do just that. So, Louisiana, I, I can't go under because of the schedule and where the price is at, but I think this team is going to be ripe for um, a serious step back in power rings by the end of the season. A team that surprised some, especially with the defense last year, was Southern Miss. 19-1 to 1 to win the conference, but shop around, because that number is all over the place, just where I pulled it from FanDuel for these, but – there's better numbers out there. Win total is only at five, shaded towards the over. They had one of the worst offenses in the country last year and still had a winning record. Um, they were outside the top 100 in yards per play, points per drive, every most key stats, even with the likes of Frank Gore Jr. there, and he comes back. Two of the top three targets are back in Caston and Jones, but they do lose their number one receiver in Brownless. Offensive line was bad, but they have three returning starters. Quarterback still undecided. Last time I checked, it's between Clemson recruit Billy Wiles and Holman Edwards from Houston. Both have no experience, though, so it's likely going to be the Frank Gore show yet again on offense. This team stunned Tulane last year. They lost to Liberty in overtime. This is a team is really competitive, mainly because of the defense. 51st in yards per play, only allowed two points per drive. Defense line was just ridiculous. Uh, third in tackles for loss, 25th in EPA per play. But, again, this is another one where a lot of turnover on defense. So, the new defensive coordinator coming in, and Dan O'Brien, who replaces Armstrong, who's now the DC at Florida, can the Southern Miss team hold up? Again, the win total is five, which I want to talk about in a little bit. But, Nick, I'm curious because this is a team with – when I went into my process, I was bullish on. I wanted to be on them. Not sure if the schedule gets me there, but I, I still, in my head, if I had to choose between bullish or bearish, I'm bullish on Southern Miss.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. Um, uh, the the quarterback situation for 130 of our 133 teams uh, would really, really worry me. They rank 129th in in uh, the QB position strength ratings, according to my numbers. Uh, a lot of that is just inexperience. These guys aren't particularly highly uh, rated recruits coming in, and and you know haven't been able to to put together any production to help boost that in in uh, our player ratings, but. Will Hall, head coach there, has proven the last couple of years that uh, you know he, he can win not only with bad quarterback play, but no quarterback play. Yeah, uh, and and is has proven to be uh, a creative uh, head coach and, and play caller and and do what he has to do to stay competitive and and find a way to win. So uh, I think at that you know at, at this point, having done it the last couple of years. Um, I'm willing to give Southern Miss the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to, to give Will Hall the benefit of the doubt. Um, having Frank Gore to lean on and uh, a pretty experienced offensive line to work with, um, you know, it, it, they didn't grade out well last year, 130th in my O-line performance ratings, but uh, three returning starters back and, and you know, talent wise, uh, a decent group middle of the pack, fifth in, in the Sun Belt and, Uh, the position strength ratings, talent numbers for, for offensive line. So, you know, I I think they're going to be able to do enough on offense to, to keep their head above water um, and lean on that defense like they have in the past. And you mentioned the turnover there, they ranked 97th in my uh, Mm -hmm. defensive returning production numbers, but that number is actually a little bit misleading because they had three of their best uh, players, certainly their, their most experienced uh, and, and productive players miss almost all of last season uh, due to injury in, in the linebacker group. Hayes Maples, uh, Swazie Bowman, and Josh Carr, Jr. Uh, Maples and Bozeman who projected starters uh, in, in my team profiles um, played hardly at all. Uh, Maples didn't play at all. Bozeman played 16 and a half percent of snaps um, and both of those guys are back. So that's going to be a little bit of a boost. Um, they get three returning starters up front. Avery Havis uh, was a starter at linebacker last year. They've done a pretty good job in the transfer portal, uh, really leaning heavily into former uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State signees. Um, so there's, there's, you know, relatively speaking uh, talent, uh, especially in the front seven. Um, they had a really, really good secondary last year, and Jay Stanley's the only uh, full-time starter returning. So that's a little bit more of a concern for me uh, that they're they're going to have to replace you know four guys in the starting lineup and the back end, but uh, I do think that the the uh, really is front six three three five um, is going to be a real strength and uh, could potentially be um, you know just as good if if not a little bit better. Um, than the unit last year that, you know, for me graded out as a, a top 40 unit. So as long as they don't fall apart on the back end, um, I, I think that the creativity we've seen on the offensive side of the ball to be able to overcome some obvious major issues, um, I, I think they're going to be in a lot of games and, and they're probably going to win a couple that, that maybe they shouldn't. So uh, my numbers uh, are at 53 uh, four wins in, in conference play. Um, but uh, me personally, I I'm, I'm think I can uh, maybe maybe give Southern Miss, you know, uh, another win um, that, that my numbers aren't going to be able to account for. I, I think by this point, uh, they've kind of proven the, the benefit of the doubt to me.
0: Yeah, and you talk about the front. Habits is back, 12 tackles for loss. Jalen Williams, seven and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Bivens four and a half sacks for or four and a half sacks last year. So bringing back, there's not a lot of production back. You talk about some of the injured players. Now you have the havoc drivers also back. So maybe this front seven can tie, you know, could keep this defense going in the right direction. You mentioned Jay Stanley, five interceptions last year, seven passes defended. If there's one guy to come back, at least it's him. <laughs> I mean, but you talk about the schedule, win total of five. And I, it, Having five as the number makes me a little bit more confident going over because I think it lands five a lot, and I think it lands six more than four. <laughs> but you open against Alcorn State, that's going to be a win. They're going to lose at Florida State. Tulane's coming to town. I would say I maybe if they didn't beat them last year, maybe I feel a little <laughs> bit more confident about that. Tulane yeah. might have coming a little yeah, bit more range. motivated. Yeah. Uh, at Arkansas State should be a win. Small spread game there. They host Texas State. They host all Old Dominion. There's a case that they're four and two going into their bye, and you need to navigate the back half, which does include four games on the road at South Alabama, at App State, a home game against Louisiana Monroe. That's your win there. At Louisiana, maybe based on what we were just saying, that could be the you know upset game you need. At Mississippi State, gonna be tough to get that one. And you close home for Troy. Again, I see five. Likely wins there. It's do they get one more get a little ahead? Is it they beat at they went at Louisiana at App State home for Troy or something to get them over? There is a minus 110 out there on over five flat. We'll see if at the end of the show we we uh get a bet (laughs) in there, but um, I agree with you. I think that Will Hall's coaching a great program there, so I'm still bullish about Southern Miss heading into 2023, a team. I'm very bullish on in 2023 is Georgia Southern 19 to one to win the conference win total of six Clay Helton came and completely revitalized this team in a quick manner. The offense took a significant step forward, a team that I didn't really not. I, I don't believe I was against them last year win total wise, but was kind of a no touch for me, especially with Kyle Van trees coming from Buffalo. Wasn't super crazy about the offense looking at it, but the offense took off, took off produced um where are we average over six yards per play only seven sacks allowed on the year well, um you know top 30 in the country in terms of yards per carry now they go and turn van to davis brin who in my eyes davis brin was banged up last year he's a damn good quarterback i damn. i come in but i come in high on davis brin this is a guy who had a 0.13 epa per play last year while battling injuries and batting battling kind of an ineffective offense around him in tulsa I think he's going to fit very nicely in this offense that returns Caleb Hood, Hood, who had 1,000 yards receiving. um, 1,000 yards receiving. Jalen White, 900 yards rushing and over five yards per carry. So this offense is going to hum. The defense was brutal, though, last year. I'm a little bit bullish that some of the transfers coming in could maybe rise the tides from being one of the worst in the country, bottom five in yards per play, and allowed nearly three points per drive. I think the defense, I mean, it simply has to get better especially with some of the transfers coming in. But I think with a mix of the defense going from terrible to maybe just bad and the offense going from really good to potentially great for the G five standards. I think there's a lot to like for this Georgia Southern team. Um, Nick, how do you see it? How, how do your roster metrics grade out? Uh, Clay Hilton?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to like, Um it- you know, we've seen some coaches in the past that come in and, and completely change uh, the offensive system and, and then kind of use that as an excuse for uh, why a team has struggled uh, in the state of Georgia in particular. I mean, Georgia Tech, they were they were trying to uh, <laughs> lean on that for three years and, and you couldn't uh, draw up a, a more different, uh, you know, one year to the next as far as scheme goes is, is what Georgia Southern did last year. And it worked really quite well and really there's just no excuse anymore in college football because you can rebuild your roster as quick as you can and they did uh, a pretty good job of that uh, at the quarterback position with Van Trees who I agree was better than expected uh, and I think you know expectations for, for Davis Brin because we've seen some good things out of him uh, when he was at Tulsa um, are higher and, and for good reason but uh, a, a part of that is you know they just happen to inherit Uh, some pretty talented receivers. You know, Caleb Hood, as you mentioned. Uh, Derwin Burgess is actually uh, the one of the two who's getting drafted higher in college fantasy football drafts this year a lot of folks think that that he's got a higher ceiling um part of that was there's a little bit of uncertainty as to whether or not hood was uh had an extra year of eligibility because he was an air force prep guy but anyway once we got that figured out still you know burgess is uh the the first one drafted so um those two as a duo are i mean arguably the the top, uh, duo in, in certainly the Sunbelt, I think, and, and, uh, maybe in, in the group of five and they've added some talent to that group as well. Anthony Quealy, power five transfer, Jalen Barden, power five transfer. Um, they have a, a pretty highly rated true freshman coming in, who it looks like might have an opportunity to crack the two deep and Deandre, uh, Buchanan, maybe a name to, to file away for the future. So I think the offense is, is really going to be in, in very good hands. Um, the offensive line should continue to be a strength. Uh, you know, part of their, their sack, uh, performance last year, I think was scheme, you know, just get rid of the ball really quickly. But Khalil Crowder was an all conference caliber performer. Uh, you add in Bryson Broadway, who's uh, crossing, you know, from the other, uh, in-state rival, uh, Georgia state. Um, he pencils in, you know, likely as a, a starter at right tackle, And that unit, I think, has an opportunity to be just as good, if not better, uh, graded out as roughly top 50 for me last year. But um, offensively, I've got no questions. Defensively, I have some concern because, as you mentioned, the numbers just were not good. Um, And sometimes when you have a a high-scoring offense, uh, that hurts. But most of the numbers I I try to focus on are are efficiency numbers, and and they were, (laughs) you know – uh, about as, as bad as it gets. Uh, 127th in defensive team performance. 129th against the run. Just could not stop anyone. And there's not a whole lot coming back in in the front seven. They do have Marquise uh, Watson, Trent, uh, all conference caliber linebacker. Um, you know Christian Varner and and Kadri Jackson are, are transfers, talented guys, and, and returning starters, but have to replace you know, three-fourths of, of the starting defensive line, didn't hit the, the transfer portal hard in this cycle to, you know, add an influx of, of talent or experience. So that is a concern to me. Um, they did more work in the secondary because, you know, three yeah. of their best players transferred out uh, as starters in the secondary, Anthony Wilson, Derek Cantine, and Tyler Bride. Um, so they were able to, to go in and get, you know, three, four, uh, potential starters uh, in the secondary out of the transfer portal so um, maybe that that helps soften the blow a little bit but i wouldn't call it an upgrade based on on what i'm seeing right now uh unit that's you know ninth in uh, the the sun belt in uh, defensive back position strength according to my numbers 111th nationally and that defensive line that right now ranks 13th in the sun belt 130th Uh, nationally. So I do have concerns uh, defensively for sure. And you mix that with an offense that should be legitimately very good uh, and not one dimensional because Jalen white uh, really give them, uh, you know, a lot to be excited about in the running game as well. Um, It looks like we're going to see, you know, maybe even more shootouts than we saw last year for Georgia Southern, because the the offense is going to be really, really difficult to stop. And, unless there's uh, you know a turnaround of, of something that I'm not quite able to to see um, I think there's little reason to be optimistic that we're going to see a, a vastly improved defense might be a little bit improved because it's hard to get worse but um, yeah I, I, I don't necessarily expect this to be a top 80 unit uh, top 100 might be a little bit of a stretch
0: yeah I will see I I like the upside swing on hiring Brandon Bailey from Buffalo also comes from Texas a He has one year of being a DC. We'll see how it goes. If he can maybe scheme something up to give the offense, any sort of backing, but I just, I I'm, I'm in love with this offense. That was top 30 in EPA per play last year. And then they bring in a Davis Brin, who was top 30 in EPA per play himself. You know, that's a big upgrade there. The schedule it's, it's difficult, but it's manageable. I mean, they host the Citadel. They host UAB. They're going to lose at Wisconsin and then they'll be favored at ball state by my numbers. So there's three and one there. They host coastal Carolina. To me, that's a game you could get. That's a gettable conference game that could help you get into the Sun Belt championship game. They're going to buy before they go to James Madison. That helps Louisiana Monroe, Georgia state at home. They'll be favored in both at Texas state. They'll be favored in both. The back three is going to be tricky at Marshall, home for Old Dominion host, and then at App State. To me, with the upside of the offense, if the defense could just click a little bit, again, I'm talking going from like the worst to third worst in the (laughs) conference, they can make a slight step forward. I think with some of the the questions for the top of the conference on offense, maybe Georgia Southern could click here and shock some teams and get into the conference championship game. Um, To me, this is – this is the team, if you're looking middle of the board, down the board, this is the team that has the most upside in my opinion.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I can, I can certainly understand that. And looking at, I do have three different uh, models. My, my primary one, I've been referring to uh, almost exclusively and that incorporates everything I do. I've got one where I try to isolate just talent numbers. Uh, and then I have another where I try to isolate just uh, you know the, the team performance and the, and the statistical stuff. And Georgia Southern actually, you know, looks pretty good in in all three. They're not in a significant talent disadvantage, uh, really, in any game other than Wisconsin. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, they're they're going to be able to compete uh, on a raw talent level um, with certainly anybody in the Sun Belt. And you know, three winnable non-conference games, I would say, uh, where they have a, a talent edge in, in two of those and It's basically a top up. Uh, toss up, excuse me, with with Ball State, and then uh, the stats only model actually really really likes Georgia Southern, um, Wisconsin, James Madison, uh, and and Marshall are the only um, uh, times in which in Georgia Southern's a, a, an underdog of any significant measure, and and Coastal Carolina is uh, pretty close to a toss up. So um, I think there's definitely. Like to like. I know there are some other folks that I really uh, respect who, who agree that, that this is a team capable of making a run at, at the East Division title. Um, and, uh, you know, my my concern is certainly on the defensive side of the ball. I personally am, am uh, uh, hesitant to say they're going to be able to, to get it done, but um, I could be convinced, and, and, and there's definitely uh, a likelihood we'll see some improvement. I just personally am I'm, I'm, – I don't know. We'll, we'll see how big, ba- how how much they improve.
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk about another Georgia team here. It's Georgia State again. You could chop around, but where I pulled it from, nineteen to one to win the conference, five and a half is the win total shaded towards the under. Plus one forty on the over, minus one seventy on the under. This is a team where last year this Georgia State team came with a lot of hype with Darren Granger back. He's back again after a year where they lose five of eight games by one score, including North Carolina at home. It just felt like. Georgia State couldn't get out of its own way. The team was explosive. Top 10 explosive pass rate. And they scored on 70% of red zone trips. So this offense was able to move in chunk plays, but down to down just not great. 99th in success rate by my numbers. They lose their number two, their number one receiver in Jamari Thrash. They bring back number two and three, Crelly and Carter. We'll see about the offense. I still think Granger gives this an upside on offense. Maybe the one score regression goes their way. Defense wasn't very good last year, and there's not a whole lot back, so maybe new faces could help shake this up. But 80-second yards per play, they were super aggressive, uh, had 25 turnovers, so maybe that made their EPA per play stats look better than their success rate, because down-to-down they weren't very good. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Javon Dennis is the pass rusher to note, nine tackles for loss. The team loses a lot of production. Next four leading tacklers are all out after their leading tackle, Venezale. I don't really have a strong opinion on Georgia State, Nick, anything here that you're looking for. I will note their schedule at Coastal, Troy, Marshall, all in a row. That is as tough as you're going to see for uh, Sunbelt standards.
1: So, interestingly enough, uh, Georgia State is is right now the team, other than James Madison, where, where my projections uh, see a, a little bit of a, a – a gap um, I'm higher on Georgia state uh, have six and a half projected wins okay. four conference wins um, I think uh, you know Granger is definitely a big part of that a guy who has been super productive uh, actually in in my uh, position uh, strength numbers uh, looks like he's the second best uh, quarterback in the Sun Belt, at least the second highest rated uh, the way I calculate it so um, that's Certainly, certainly something I like. Um, Marcus Carroll uh, at, at running back. He and KZ, or excuse me, KZ Adams. I think are going to be a a really really good duo. Um, you know, I don't I don't think they're going to miss a beat at all uh, with that group. And and with Granger able to, um, you know, do plenty of damage on the ground as well. You know, I think Georgia State's going to be um, one of the better rushing teams in in the Sun Belt for sure, and they are definitely going to miss Thrash. But Robert Lewis being mm-hmm. back, bringing in Jakari Carter, I, I think there's going to be an opportunity for them to, uh, especially if the running game is as good as I, I think it can be, um, going to open up you know some big play opportunities for guys like that uh, as well. And Granger, you know, isn't just a runner by any stretch; uh, has a has a pretty big arm, and um, I, I think that you know. Georgia, Georgia State leaning on him, they're going to be able to, uh, you know, basically just just keep moving right along on offense. And, and I think oddly enough, I I've I've gotten to the point where I, I don't uh, honestly uh, think as much in, in terms of uh, you know betting and, and win totals and things like that. There's there's a weird scenario with Georgia State that I wonder if it is playing to my benefit a little bit while I why I am higher than what the odds makers are. Early, I don't remember if you. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. Early on, in, in Bill Connolly's first returning production numbers, he had Georgia State like last or, or next to last, and I think that was a mistake. Um, I obviously have a ton of respect for Bill Connolly. he's a huge influence of mine. I think he does a, an awesome job, but I think he didn't count Darren Granger <laughs> in there, and so I wonder because those first numbers uh, were. Up for a couple of months, right? And we're all trying to figure out because who knows what eligibility is now. Uh, I certainly struggle with it, uh plenty. It takes up a lot of my, you know, first three months of the year trying to get, to get that stuff figured out best I can. Um, it it really seemed like he had Darren Granger being gone when in fact he was he was coming back. So uh, Georgia Southern is is not you know dead last. I know. Bill has updated his numbers, but they're a hundredth overall in returning production. My number 68th on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and so I, I wonder if that very first returning production number, which does carry a lot of weight for a lot of people and, and understandably. So uh, I think maybe that helped kind of lower expectations for Georgia state uh, somewhat artificially. So I wonder if we got a little bit of a break there um, just, just kind of, you know, because uh, we we struggle so much sometimes to to know whether or not a, a guy's got eligibility come back.
0: It's interesting. And I, I think another going, going your way, if I remember correctly, I could pull up my spreadsheet from last year, but Georgia state's win total was, I want to say it was seven or seven and a half or something. They were, they were looked at very favorably in the market. They were one of the Sunbelt favorites, darlings coming into the year. And again, five of eight losses in one score games. And, that hurts, but that's also, that's variance. That's like, you know, a, a couple tough breaks here and there. And you look at the games. I have two, three, four, five. I have seven games projected at one score or fewer. So that includes road games, but, I mean, that's a lot of toss-ups. Can they, what, what if they win five of eight one-score games this year and, you know, the variance levels out? Because to me, when I'm thinking about how to, play on Georgia State or play against them. I would rather take their win total over rather than their conference outright, in my opinion. I I think you look at the non-conference schedule of Rhode Island, UConn at home, and then at Charlotte, throwaway at LSU in Week 12. But there's a chance you get three wins in conference play, and all you need is three three wins in non-conference play. All you need is three wins in conference play. A lot less coin flips you need than to win the conference title game. So I think it's very interesting, and that's a good point about Maybe the early numbers were a little off on Georgia state for what it's worth. There's too many coin flips. I think for me to be interested, but my numbers come out to 6.4. So I should be going over, but when I kind of do the real, like looking at the schedule and trying Mm -hmm. to sequence it, I don't like it as much bad job by me. They play at coastal Troy, then get a buy and come out and play Marshall. So that was kind of a bad job by me, but there's simply too many coin flips for me to get into it or get involved with them. But I do see the reason why Georgia state can be do some, some positive variance. Sure. Moving down the board and we move way down the board because the bottom four teams, there's not as much going on. There's a big drop off in the odds. Texas state is up first 45 to one to win the conference win total of four Can find some plus money, four and a half. and a Complete overall here. This is like an incarnate word implant. It's similar to when Western Kentucky did it a few years back. We saw Washington state do somewhat similar of that last year. So it's kind of a blank canvas. So you can see the tails really go up on these teams in terms of what's going to happen. Malik Cornsby is likely going to be the starter, former Arkansas quarterback. Um, of course, you know, Eric Morris comes in as the head coach. Uh, G.J. Kinney is going to be the offensive coordinator. That was a team last year averaged 51 points per game in the FCS ranks. Uh, There's 26 transfers on offense. Defense have plenty of more questions as well. I I mean, Nick, do you have – I've spoken to people who think the upside is here for Texas State to win the conference because (laughs) the offense is going to be so unique and so crazy. I don't know if they like it as much at 45-1. to I think they were betting more – you know, 80, a hundred to one. I mean, listen, there's a lot of upside here. You, if you want to go through some of the transfers they bring in Gonzalez from SMU, um, you know, Bo Corrales and wide receivers also there Ashton Hawkins is a holdover, but Hornsby at quarterback TJ Finley's also there. We'll see how this goes. I think I like the upside. I don't know if I'm really betting anything. I think the offense is going to be elite. The defense is probably going to hold them back from winning that many games. But how do you see it going for the Bob's in year one of this incarnate word uh, experiment?
1: So I've I've been hurt uh, a little bit by Texas State in the past. The way my numbers work, they they've seen a lot of uh, potential uh, the last few years, and and you know just haven't been able to put it together. I think that each of the last two years, I, I thought that uh, they they looked like they had a, a path to bowl eligibility, and just uh, really. You know, <laughs> haven't come uh, very close, but it's it's a really really tricky situation. Uh, my returning production numbers do not include FCS uh, yeah. numbers, so when you're completely rebuilding an offensive line, basically with FCS transfers, um, when you're bringing in a guy like Joey Hobart, who had a huge year, former Washington State wide receiver, but uh, just just really had a huge year last year at the FCS level. Uh, for most teams, you know, if, if those guys were um, coming in as experienced, you know, starters and and producers, uh, we'd see a boost because I do adjust, uh, for, for FBS transfers, but, um, the way it looks on paper to me right now, they're, you know, toward the very extreme end in returning production and, and history shows that if you're in that bottom, uh, you know, 5%, the chances of you, uh, taking a a step back record wise is is pretty big. So, um, I am optimistic about KJ Kinney. Um, I, it's all happened so fast for him that, that, you know, you wonder a little bit uh, what, what, you know, the staying power is if if he, if he really is as good of a offensive uh, coach as as he's looked because he's bounced around, what, five, six jobs the last five, six years. Um, But seems like a good fit has done some interesting things. Malik Kornsby is legitimately one of the fastest players in college football Uh, brought in TJ Finley as a bit of a, uh, insurance policy mm-hmm. uh, inherited a little bit of talent as well. Ashton Hawkins has, has done some good things in the past, so um, I, I think that again, I'm personally optimistic about Texas State. Uh, do see, uh, you know, potentially a path for them to be, um, you know, maybe a few things break right and, and they they could play theirself in, in, into an op- uh, an opportunity to become bowl eligible, but. There's just so much news, so much transition that um, I don't see a lot of evidence on paper to really support that. It's more of a kind of a little bit of a wishful thinking, but also uh, knowing that KJ Kinney's had a lot of success and, and knowing that he's um, been able to remake this roster. Uh, and Like we talked about with Georgia Southern, there's no excuse anymore uh, when you're able to, to flip a roster that quickly Um you know, they, they can, and, and maybe should be competitive. So um, my personal opinion is probably a little bit higher than the projections, but, you know, even my projections uh, have them at, at, you know, right around five wins. So I think they will be a tough team to beat. Um, I just don't know that I can trust them quite yet uh, because of all the turnover and because they've, uh, you know, come up short of, of my expectations and, and our numbers each um, of the last few years.
0: I agree. I think that this offense Maybe going to catch some people by surprise. You look at their first two games at Baylor, at UTSA, two teams that have some questions on the defense side of the ball that may not be as excited to face a high flying incarnate word like offense that early in the season with some of the things going on there. Maybe those are like looking at overs or something like that. Look at the conference schedule. It's they play, if you want to make like the bull case, they play Troy and South Alabama at home. We'll we'll see. I I'm not betting any futures on them, but I I like the upside here. A team where I don't like what's going on is Old Dominion. Win total three and a half, also forty five to one to win the conference. They beat Virginia Tech in week one last year, or week I believe it was week one, maybe it was week zero. Um, I was on Old Dominion that game. It was a sick finish, epic <laughs> stuff. But uh, they end up finishing three and nine. There's a lot of turnover here. The offensive line was terrible, outside the top one hundred sacks allowed and line yards uh Ronnie goes out and hires Kevin Decker from Fordham brings with him uh Wilson or when when yeah uh, brings with him Wilson who will likely be the starter I think um he was the backup there he has very limited experience Wolf Hayden Wolf was there last year he had no time to pass any transferred out I just they lose their only throw on the ground with Blake Watson They also lose Ali Jennings, who was their best receiver. There's a whole turnover here. Defense, maybe there's more back here, so there's something to be excited about. But this was a defense that was pretty bad last year, 94th in success rate, the entire secondary. But uh, Terry Jones, their safety's gone. And then you look at the schedule. They're going to be favored in one game, and that's Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So you give them one win, and then you're asking them to win three other games as upsets. And – I just don't really see much of them when the rest of their non-con is at Virginia Tech, who you know is going to want that one back after last year at home, Wake Forest, and at Liberty. So I just don't know if I see three conference wins coming here for Old Dominion. I think it's going to take Decker some time to get this Fordham-like offense that was very pass-happy up to snuff. I just, To me, I I bet they're under. Uh, Nick, uh, agree, disagree. It's been moving towards the under for what it's worth. Um, right now it's about minus minus one ten each way.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, my projections three and a half, but, uh, personally, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot to like other than, uh, you know, they do have an all American candidate at linebacker, Jason Henderson. A lot of that is just an insane tackle number, but he has, you know, he's a good player obviously, but, um, he, on the defensive side of the ball, Javon Harvey, I think is got a chance to be very, very productive, uh, again, on the. Uh, offensive side, wide receiver in line for big year, especially if the offense looks like we think it does. But uh, yeah, you mentioned it. Grant Wilson, uh, you know, new offensive coordinator who is legitimately, I think, an exciting hire, brings his quarterback from the FCS level. We've seen that work before, but a little bit different. Grant Wilson hasn't really played. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's not quite <laughs> Bailey Zappi here. Um, so that's, that is a little bit concerning. Uh, their roster as a whole, not only ranks dead last in the FBS in my roster strength numbers, uh, I look back and I've been doing this five years and uh, Old Dominion is the lowest rated uh, as far as my overall roster strength numbers for any non military Academy team in my history. So um, that's a little bit of a concern, you know, And, and I do think that the offense has Uh, potential. I I am a scheme guy and I'm a sucker for uh, these types of, you know, uh, fast air raid based uh, offenses. Um, And so, yeah, I think that Grant Wilson, if he nails that job down or Jack Shields maybe might win it um, could put up some big passing numbers. I think Javon Harvey could put up some, you know, big receiving numbers. I'm a little interested to see what Kadarius Callaway, who was a, you know, fringe five-star recruit, uh, signed with Alabama, I believe, uh, out of high school. But as a defensive back, he's now a running back, has been in junior college the last couple of years. You know, there, there are some pieces that are, are really intriguing to me. Um, but I just, you know, the the way the the numbers add up on the uh, talent uh, spectrum is just very very bad so i don't trust old dominion uh really at all to win a game that they're probably not supposed to win uh my projections agree they're only a favorite uh, in one game um they are a double digit underdog in all but uh two games so uh, getting to that uh, three and a half uh yeah, the it doesn't look doesn't look very good um, as far as I'm concerned. Don't don't really see a path there uh, unless this offense is just plug and play and and able to put up the huge numbers that we saw last year uh, at Fordham and and I think there's going to be a little bit more of a transition than that. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a struggle for Old Dominion,
0: especially given the defenses in this conference that we've been talking about now for a while. Just a, you know it's a murderer's row this. Conference, the Sun Belt. Um, I don't think it's gonna be an easy transition for them either. Uh, man in the rear here of the Sun Belt, we got Arkansas State and Louisiana Monroe. Uh, we go a little bit more rapid fire here. Not sure there's much upside here. Arkansas State, I guess, is probably a little bit further ahead in the rebuild. Um, win total of four and a half minus 125 to the over. It looks like it's gonna be JT Strout. Uh, the Colorado transfer was recruited by Tennessee. Um, Ends up at Colorado. He had a negative touchdown and interception ratio last year in nine appearances. It's a transfer late offensive line. There's some power five level guys that were recruited coming in, uh, including Braun and Cunningham, both transferring from Ole Miss. But this offense was dismal last year. Bottom 10 tackles for loss, third down conversion percentage. Um, I'd say one guy to look at if this offense could pop, probably a big reason why is Jaquez Cross, the guy to look at at running back. Um, also in my notes, Jeff Foreman's a big play threat. Defensive line made a few things happen last year. Top 40 in tackles for loss was decent against the run, but the defense was just absolute, or the secondary was absolutely terrible. Bottom 10 in yards per pass allowed. They got just bl- the top was taken off this defense. Um, no strong opinion about Arkansas state, but if I had to choose one between them or UL Monroe, it would be Arkansas state. Nick, anything here in Oregon State? Do you think that this team can be pushed for bowl eligibility this year? Uh,
1: bowl eligibility is probably uh, a bit too ambitious. Uh, I have them in the four-and-a-half win range, and uh-huh. I have a bad habit of, of uh, sometimes talking myself into just about every team. Um, and so – Keep that in mind. But if if you squint or, you know, if I do, I, I, I do see some maybe reasons to be optimistic. They do bring back Corey Rucker, who uh, was highly productive in Arkansas State uh, a couple of years ago, transferred to South Carolina, got hurt uh, and, and now is back. So if he's able to recapture, you know, the form that he showed a couple of years ago, if Shrout, uh, you know, plays up to the level that we would expect of a, a power five, uh, recruit coming out of high school, uh, Emmanuel Stevenson was a, a starter at tight end uh, a couple of years ago that, that I think has some potential, um, steps back into that role with, uh, uh Toure having transferred. Um, I, I think that there's, there's a chance that the offense could be decent. Um, The running back group is, is pretty deep. In addition to cross, they have uh, Brian Sneed, who is a pretty highly rated guy coming out of high school transfer from Ohio state Uh, Zach Wallace opposite end of the spectrum uh, transfer from UT Martin at the FCS level, more experienced um, has a, has a, you know, a chance maybe this offense could surprise us a little bit. Uh, Certainly they have plenty of room for improvement, but um, there are uh, plenty of winnable games, but so far I don't really trust Arkansas state to, to win, you know, games that I haven't projected as a favorite of less than a point. And I've got uh, four of those. So um, wow. that's, you know, so many coin flips and, and a team that I just haven't uh, don't, don't really think has, has earned uh, my trust. So um, I'm, I'm not quite uh, as optimistic as I, I think I might like to be.
0: Last but not least, Ewell Monroe, Terry Bowden, trying to revive the career here 110 to one to win the Sun Belt three and a half to win total shade towards the under unknown at quarterback looks like to be dual thread G right our Louisville transfer Hunter Herring the team does bring back their most potent passing game weapon in Tyron Howell. he had 852 yards and six touchdowns last year but the offense really not much going on here out to the top 100 in success rate some transfers coming in uh, Isaiah Wollard at running back, Thaddeus Franklin from Miami, offensive line, has some continuity, but um, you know, I just there's not much to like here. The talent just isn't here for you, Monroe. They won four games last year, three of them were by one score. Uh, one of them and the other one was up by against Nichols. I just no real interest here in you, Monroe. I, I don't see a big jump coming, especially with the questions at quarterback, uh, between Wright and Herring. Neither really jumped off the page to me like someone like, uh, you know, Malik Hornsby, you know, mm-hmm. taking over, you know, so maybe some more pop here. I don't really see it with you all, Monroe.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, unless the running backs uh, transfer that, that you mentioned, they're able to, to uh, lean on those guys. And that Franklin is a big, you know, uh, bruising type runner, uh, 240 pounds in that range. How you mentioned big play. Uh, wide receiver last year. So there are a couple of individual pieces that, that I think are, are, you know, certainly quality players, but uh, this team lives in the transfer portal. I'm sure it's happened each of the last couple of years under Terry Bowden will open up fall camp and, and uh, there'll be half a dozen uh, transfers that weren't even on the roster that are, you know, too deep on uh, the depth chart. So uh, it's, it's just a really different, difficult team to, to get a full grasp on uh, the way I do things. Um, but you know, they have overachieved the last couple of years, won a couple of games that, uh, they weren't supposed to maybe had no business winning. So, um, I, I think that, you know, I'm not ready to, to write them off completely, but they are a team that does not grade out in, in, uh, my roster numbers, you know, really, uh, struggled defensively last year. And, and, um, if you're expecting a big step forward on offense, um, it's because you're just really optimistic that, that they're going to be able to, to lean on a couple of uh, talented transfers at, at skill positions. And, and uh, I'm
0: not sure I'm ready to do that. I, I agree. That's a Sunbelt conference. That is, a, that was as deep as you're going to get uh, still in July talking about um, some of these conference previews, getting really deep into the weeds, win totals game to game upside, downside, all this stuff. It was, it was awesome, Nick. Uh, best bets from me to recap. I'm on Georgia Southern over six wins. Six is important. I would not recommend six and a half. Six is important. The best I see right now as a recording on Thursday night, uh, minus 135 at Bet Online. I also played them to win the conference. Uh, you could find numbers out there. I bet 18 to one while doing this show prep. I found a 20 to one at Barstool if you want that one. Um, I also played Old Dominion under three and a half wins at minus 110 at FanDuel. And then, because me and Nick seem to like it so much, and I'm feeling confident, Southern Miss over five wins at (laughs) DraftKings with some push protection. Um, I think that number's a little off. I'm 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 at six point two. That's what I had. Yep, six point two. So I I think Southern Miss, especially at minus one ten, I'd play uh, the Golden Eagles over. And yeah, that's it for me. And I'll have the Google sheet updated when these all post. My bet stamp at RW33 has all my plays in real time. Anyway, Nick, anything else you want to share? Anything else we missed? Any bets you want to give out? Anything. If you want to talk more about your Campus to Canton project, let me know. This is your time.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, do uh, check us out at Uh The C2C Winning Edge package is new there. It's it's basically exactly the same if you're familiar with what we were doing on Patreon. Um, Our tier two membership was 15 bucks a month. We just rolled it over and are calling that the C2C Winning Edge uh, package. So you get access to all the Google Sheets, the team profiles, 133 FBS teams. We are slowly uh, getting some FCS teams into the mix Uh, and uh, the full returning production database, which has individual team pages for all 133 teams. And this week I am wrapping up uh, individual player projections as well that's uh, going to have um, projected point totals uh, for CFF and DFS scoring for uh, every projected starting quarterback, top two running backs, top two receivers, and top tight end. Uh, we're going to be able to do some stuff weekly with that as well uh, for uh, player props. But um, that is canvasdecanton.com and check the C2C. Uh, winning edge uh, package that that we've got there. Uh, as far as you know, bets go. Uh, Wintels have certainly had some success, as I mentioned before, right around 63% across all teams the last two years. And I don't have those exact numbers in front of me, but when uh, the the plus or minus one full win, uh, if we take that to the to the next level, uh, we get a couple of extra percentage points, uh, in our favor on, on that end. And so it's a little weird with the Sunbelt because we mentioned James Madison and, and the uh-huh. issue potentially for us, that's a, a 1.4, uh, and I'm using uh DraftKings numbers. Those are just the ones that I grab as, as a default. Um, but under the eight is 1.4, not a huge level of, uh, confidence in that, but, uh, the Georgia state over five and a half, uh, is at 0.99. We're, we're almost a full win there. I feel better about that one. Uh, you, you did a really good job of, of uh, convincing me otherwise maybe, but, uh, feel, feel, uh, better about that one. And then I, I legitimately am low on Louisiana and that doesn't happen to me very often. I do try to really look for silver linings. Um, and, uh, so with, with being nearly a full win under the six and a half that, that, uh, I was comparing it to, um, I, I think that is right. I, I think Louisiana is going to uh, have the potential to really struggle. So, so I like them at, at under six and a half.
0: I love it. That I especially the thirty and three start. So, I mean, this is as good as you're may gonna never think. happen again. But it was a, <laughs> it was a great start. So <laughs> it was fun. No, I Nick, this was awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. I and mean, this is as deep as you're going to get. Talking Sun Belt conference, previewing it, talking all the stuff we just did. So I really appreciate it. You can follow him on Twitter at CFB winning edge. You could follow me on Twitter at Reed Wallach. This is episode seven of the conference preview series. So if you like this sort of stuff, if you really learned a lot, make sure you go back and listen to the prior six, subscribe to the early read. We have plenty of more conference previews coming your way. Nick appreciate again. Hope to have you on sometime during the season. And until then we will talk to you next time. It's the early read.